Welcome to The Sober Effect, a show that looks at the positives of sobriety, the dangers of alcohol and the many people who are affected by it. I'm Kate. And I'm Steph. The ripple effect of alcohol is far-reaching, and those are the stories you'll hear on The Sober Effect. So we are on episode 20. I, I mean, I just saying that is crazy. Episode 20 already. Today is just you and I. And we're going to talk about the holiday season because it is among us now. Just had Halloween, which was a kind of big one for me. What about you? I mean, what happens traditionally like during Halloween over there? Like anything else um, over here and we've embraced it and used it as an excuse to drink and throw a big party. I mean, that's what it's become. I mean, I just remember when I was younger, I don't remember the adults dressing up and partying and doing all that. But I feel like my generation, we never grew out of wanting to dress up. And then we turned it into a reason to have a big party and get drunk. And Blake and I used to have huge Halloween parties before we moved to Omaha. And then after we moved here, you know, we didn't know as many people. So it died out. But then it just turned in for me an excuse to, you know, put something in my mug and go walk around with my daughter while she trick-or-treated and you know it was this is mommy's tree and like I mean adults here will hand out beer and shooters and shots and stuff to parents that come up with their kids so like the kids get candy and then oh yeah it's a thing but that's just what alcohol has become right we just find all these reasons to enable it and I don't know a lot of adult parties that go on they've started but it still is very much for children Mm -hmm. um but People will sit at home and drink and then just answer the door and get more and more generous with how many sweets they're giving out. But as you say, anything can become a reason to drink. And I think that's the problem with this season, isn't it? Because there are so many different celebrations crammed into about a 12-week period. You've got Halloween, you've got Thanksgiving, you know, you've then got Christmas, you've got New Uh Year's, and then you've got all this time off work as well. So you've got the Christmas work parties, you're meeting up with your college friends over Christmas, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got the family parties. It feels like almost every day over that period of time, there's a reason to go out and drink if you want to, which also means if you're not drinking there's something you've got to try and overcome and decide whether you're going whether you're not going how you're going to manage it what are people going to say how are you going to get home is it going to be boring are you going to be tempted will you you know it's all this stuff yeah so what used to be super exciting because it's like the rest of the world is drinking as much of us we're allowed to drink we don't have to feel bad about it it becomes a time where there are almost traps set around every corner you walk trying to lure you into a pub or to open a bottle of wine and it's tradition and then not to mention just the stress of the season alone people feed off that i'm stressed i need you know i've got all all these gifts that I need to wrap. So I'm going to drink wine while I wrap the gifts. Like you always can find ways. And I think now that I don't drink during this time of year, I'm not as stressed because as we know, alcohol actually will make things feel more stressful than they are. So that's kind of fun. But you and I both got sober around Christmas. Yeah, we did. Which is kind of crazy because it's a really hard time of the year to get sober. I mean, most people would wait. I was gonna wait. Yeah, I just thought, got the determination. I've got the fire in my belly. I'm angry at alcohol. I can always put this off, but actually, no, just 
do it. And, and I thought I can recognize that I've got that head start and I know this is going to be a long race. So just get out there and get on with it because this is a good thing. And also I thought, you know, why not do it? Do it at the hardest time of the year and just say no. And, and it will almost push me to do it because it's one of those things like, God, are you crazy? How are you going to do that? And it's like, well, I'll show you. Yeah. And actually by knowing you've gotten through the hardest part, mentally I was thinking well it will only get easier if I can get through Christmas then New Year will be a bit easier and then all those other things that come after it and I just think I had to do it it was the right time but it's funny you mentioned wrapping I hadn't really thought about that but those evenings and the Mm. night before when you're doing all that wrapping and actually it's getting sloppier and sloppier and you're forgetting what was for who and having to unwrap little bits The idea of it was so romantic and lovely, you know, mulled wine sitting around, surrounded by wrapping paper, writing little cards to your kids. But the reality wasn't, it was a sloppy mess. I remember one year we were trying to put together this jewelry box, like armoire thing that Adeline wanted. And uh, it was late Christmas Eve and we were so drunk. And my husband is very handy. He's a carpenter, but like at this point, and I just remember like trying to put this, th- he was so mad, first of all, that it had to be put together. Like, why would you buy something we have to put together? But anymore, as you know, like, you're a any- carpenter. <laughs> well, yeah, but anything you buy anymore, you have to put together. Like there's nothing you can just buy like furniture wise and stuff because it was big. It was like had a mirror and everything. But anyway, it just ended up being a really bad fight. We ended up staying up way later than we wanted to and we were drunk and we were coming down from being drunk because now we're just full on with this thing and I mean when you look at that kind of stuff such unnecessary arguments and things that happen because of the alcohol and it's supposed that's not what the season's about it's not and also there is so much around because you know in my house I would I would start buying cases of wine that were on Mm -hmm. offer in November because I'd go well look at the offer we'll just get it and we'll store it And then it would just get drunk over the next couple of weeks. I mean, we do not have like a wine area in our house. We never did. We would buy wine for that night and drink it because it would go if we did that. I love the idea of having, I've got all these decanters that are crystal and the the idea of having all these lovely drinks in them, but it would all just be depleted immediately. So we didn't have that. But at Christmas, there was loads. So drinking an extra bottle in a night was nothing it wouldn't be noticed and that is really dangerous and as you say it turned so many evenings that should have been wonderful into Mm -hmm. these really nasty exhausting drunken nights and it's really important to remember the reality of these things because even in my head now I think of the mulled wine warming on the stove the Christmas carols playing the wrapping up the ribbon the reality is that never ever happened That's what I wanted every year. That's what I told myself I was going to get every year. But the reality was not that. And I think that's what we need to be really brutally honest with ourselves about. I agree. Are there traditions since you've gotten sober? I mean, I I know that we got sober around Christmas, but we've had one full, fully sober Christmas. But do you feel like in contrast to Christmases in the past, was last year's Christmas different? I mean, my traditions are pretty set in stone. They're the traditions that I have from my childhood. And luckily, Mm -hmm. my husband's like, well, whatever you want to do, we'll do. So I Mm -hmm. read the night before Christmas. The night before Christmas, we hang the still hang the stockings up. You know, it's things like that. But I remember them. I literally don't remember all the ones we've had with my children up until then. I remember bits and bobs, but not really. And I always stayed up late. 
Whereas now I go to bed almost at the same time as the kids. And I love that because in the morning I'd be like, yeah, great. Right. Open your stockings and I need my coffee. And I would need to have a while to recover. And just thinking back, we must have just smelled like stale alcohol and none of the traditions. Again, it's like the present wrapping. I had this idea in my head of my children excited, coming in with their stockings and really excited. But it wasn't. I had bad breath. My hair was messy and I may not even have put pajamas on. You know, I'd just be in like old bits of clothing that I hadn't managed to take off the night before. I would have had an argument with my husband, like you said. But the traditions now are things I really look forward to. And I'm really focused and I watch the kids and I watch them open their presents. And then we have breakfast. And then after breakfast, we do the tree presents. But again, I would be drinking Buck's Fizz at breakfast and that would already be topping up the hangover from the night before. What about you? What what traditions have you got and how has it changed? So... We, we don't really have any. My dad always just comes out, but it was in a way, um, you know, because we didn't really do anything. We were, we just stayed home a lot. I just drank the entire time and every single Christmas was the same. Like, because the mem, like you said, you don't really remember much. Like you have in your head, like, this is what it's going to be like. This is what we do. But it's just like a dream. It's like a dream state because your memory, Mm -hmm. they all merge into one. Like I can't tell you specifically each year a profound thing that happened. I couldn't even tell you really gift wise things either because it all just like merged into one because it was the same thing. I'm going to start drinking mimosas in the morning. I'm going to half-ass make breakfast because I feel like complete shit. You know, like it it's just so bad. Yeah, it it, it's like so a TV bad. Show where everything goes wrong. Yeah. You know, like Home Alone. <laughs> yes, it's so bad. It's so bad. And then you know, by afternoon, I'm just in and out of consciousness on the couch <laughs> trying to watch a movie. Like last year, I felt a little weird because it was like my one year is the day after Christmas. So I felt a little. My one year was weird. Like I've talked about it. I think we both talked about it. Like. It was anticlimactic. Like yeah, I don't know yeah. what I was expecting, but like I don't know if I was expecting like confetti to come out of my ass or something. And like I don't know, but it was just kind of like would have been nice and scary. Yeah, I'm just like okay, I'm one year. Like I don't know. It was just so it was just a weird time. But like this year, I really want to try to come up with some new things to do. Like actually do because I feel like when I look back at Christmas over the last probably 12 years since we've been here. I mean, I hate to say this out loud, but it's been really fucking boring, like really boring. And it's because I just was so consumed with just wanting to drink, which is so boring. But that's all you want. Everyone will leave you alone. You can sit and drink for three or four days. Mm -hmm. And actually you can even go and sleep after lunch and no one's going to tell you not to. But the poor kids, you know, it's like excited about their presence and parents... They know we're drinking and they probably thought, oh, Christmas is great, but parents just drink all the time. Yep. And I, I looked at a Christmas video recently and I looked so unhappy and tired and overweight and I could barely look at it. And my kids were kind of like, oh, mom, look at you. You look so different. And this is three years ago. And I, I just, it makes me so sad. I looked forward to it so much, but it was the drinking I looked yeah, forward to. Yeah, that's me too. 
but now it's I love walking I love going for a walk on Christmas day and it's so cold and the kids go back and play with their presents it's time with family and I think whether that's you and you end up being with one friend or you've got a huge family with loads of kids and parents it's being with people and doing things that you like to do and taking it in and not thinking about work but not being drunk makes it all so much more enjoyable and you really do contemplate things and you take it's like holidays Mm -hmm. yeah you go on holiday and you drink and you come back needing a break needing to recover whereas Christmas you spend time with family but you get sleep you get some gifts you get to give gifts and watch people receive them which I much prefer than receiving them myself and you come out of the other side feeling like you've spent some genuinely lovely time and you come out refreshed and that's what you want right but it's hard isn't it and I think we need to talk about parties because parties they they are a tricky one whatever way you look at it we do not have any magical answers do we Steph no not really other than don't go well other than don't go but then you've got the kind of fear of missing out don't you and yeah people basically saying oh you see you're so boring and then you go well I kind of am because yeah. I am staying home and I do want to stay home so your mind starts playing tricks on you and that's dangerous as well isn't it because you mm-hmm. can then say well maybe I need to drink because people in the office for example that this is a time when you go out a lot with your colleagues and if you're not yeah. going out you can genuinely feel like you're going to miss out on promotion or certain jobs right because you won't have those conversations and and I think that really does happen it's hard to believe but it does happen yeah I mean I'm not afraid to tell someone no if I don't feel like going to something and that's just me and I know that that's not everyone so that's kind of what I did last year I just was like, there were a few um, like Friendsmas type parties that we are invited to, which is just Friendsmas. Yeah, they call it Friendsmas because it's just like, it's not family, it's friends. So it's a friend gathering for Christmas. Right. But once again, it's all about wearing an ugly sweater and getting really drunk and taking vulgar pictures. Like anyway, it's Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And I just knew that that, you know, to me, that just did not sound like a good time now that I'm sober. And you know, we do have to remember I had almost a year under my belt too. And that does make a huge difference. And so it was really easy for me to just say, you know, I'm not available. Like it's really that time of year. It's so easy to, to just say we're not available because they're going to just assume you probably have something else. Cause it's a busy time for everyone. Yeah. You know, you don't have to lie and make up excuses. You just say you're not available because sometimes you're mentally not available. Like yeah. you don't owe anyone an explanation. So, I mean, first and foremost, I just think people need to not be so hard on themselves and feel so guilty about people pleasing or making people feel yeah. better because, oh, I need to show up because I was invited. You've got to put your sobriety first. And if that means you can't be around it because it's too new, then yeah, just be there for yourself. But you've also said that you find it boring when you don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you're right. Mm-hmm. So just to play devil's advocate here. Yeah. It's true. I have said no to a lot of things because I genuinely don't want to. Because when the focus is on drinking, I don't want to go because right. I don't drink. And that's just obvious, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of like, well, all you're going to do is sit around the table. Now, if I want to catch up with some of these people, I might go out for an hour or two. And yes. quite frankly, people drink so quickly and go at it so hard at Christmas. Mm-hmm. People don't notice you leaving because they are so focused and it's so loud and there's music playing and everyone's kind of you know, jolly and what have you, that you can just sneak out and and people don't mind. And actually, that really has been the case every time I've left. No one has noticed or been offended. 
So I think popping along to things at the very beginning, speaking to people, letting people know that you've turned up and that you do want to see them and that you're not just this recluse now that you don't drink. You can actually still leave your house Mm -hmm. when you want to see people and you can still have some quite good conversations for an hour or so but then you just literally disappear and you don't need to find everyone and say I'm leaving I'm leaving I'm leaving you can just tell one person tell the host if if it's someone's party tell them and sneak out and it's amazing how quickly you get used to doing that and you don't feel guilty and I think that's my number one choice when it comes to parties that I feel like I would actually like to see people but I don't want to go I will pop along Mm. and actually I tell the host before I go I'm only coming for an hour or two because I don't want to be there when people get drunk and they always said oh my god I'm just so glad you're coming Mm -hmm. they get it And then you get to go out, you get to put some nice clothes on, you get to take your own alcohol-free drink, which, by the way, do not let out of your sight. Hide it. I I hide mine behind plants a lot. And I always put something on the glass so I know it's mine because the chances of you picking up the wrong glass are huge. Mm -hmm. Someone taking your drink, huge. Someone trying to get you to Tapping you off, yeah. Either intentionally or unintentionally. Mm -hmm. So just be so careful about that because you know I've had a drink of alcohol by mistake and I'm convinced that is what eventually got me into that I slipped and I drank again for six months because the taste of it was almost too alluring for me so just Mm -hmm. be so careful when you go out drinking at these parties especially house parties where people are milling around and putting their glasses down yeah and what about the peer pressure that comes with especially at the holiday time because you know, it's, family can be the worst too sometimes, you know, oh, it's Christmas. Why can't you just have one? How do you handle that, Kate? Did you have that at all early on in sobriety? My family have always been really supportive of me and really shocked and in awe of me for doing mm-hmm. this because I've been the messiest drunk in my family um, all my life. So I think they've all kind of thought, God, good for you. And also they wouldn't dare because I'm not the kind of person who holds back on how I feel. So if someone said to me, oh, go on, have one, they would be shut down immediately by me. (laughs) And they would regret saying anything. And not in a mean way, but I would go, why would you want me to do something that hurts me, makes me feel bad about, you know, they would instantly go, God, I wish I'd never said that. So I've not had that a lot. And I think that's a lot to do with my personality because when I say I've made up my mind about something, something anything I usually stick to it and people know that about me I have been made to feel like I'm missing out by finding out people have gone out without me and not invited me but again you have to just think would I want to go it's like we said the other day you know no I wouldn't but I've been lucky with peer pressure have you have you had people I imagine because you were the party throwing host weren't you I mean you were the party house So how does that work? Because people presumably were kind of like, but we love your party stay. Oh, come on, just for Christmas. Did you not get a lot of that? I did. And, you know, and and then add to it that I wasn't the one where people were like, oh, thank God she quit drinking because nobody thought I had a problem. So that made it hard, too. It's really hard when you know in your soul (laughs) 
that drinking's a problem. Like I knew I had to get away from it. But then you have all these people that you love and care about that are close to you that are telling you, you don't have a problem. You mean you can't just have one? And I know I'm not the only one because I've seen other people on Instagram post about this kind of stuff. That's the really hard part. And I think that's when a lot of people fall back in because they let other people who they respect and love and they they allow them to know more about them than they know about themselves, right? They're just like, oh, well, if they don't think I have a problem, maybe I don't have a problem. You know, maybe it is Christmas. Maybe I'll just have one glass of wine. You know, maybe you did sober October and then it fell into November and now here it is Christmas time. And, you know, now you're at like almost three months where some confidence starts coming in and some questioning. I know it did for me like, okay, was I crazy? Because everyone keeps saying, What do you mean you quit drinking? What do you mean you're sober? You didn't have a drinking problem, but you have to really keep going back to that inner voice, that knowing that got you there, your why you have to like, I love that you videoed yourself, Kate, that night. I know it was probably really hard for you to watch, but I know that's probably something that you always was able to go back to anytime you did start to feel like a little confident or question your decision. You know, maybe you're not somebody who can do that, but maybe you have a journal where you in those raw moments right when you first got sober or within those first few months where you write out like your why, like what it does to you, how shitty you feel. Those are the things that you have to like go back to. And then also playing it forward. That future version of yourself, what do you want that to look like? Do you want that person to be disappointed the next day because you gave in to Aunt Sue who was pressuring you to drink because, oh, we always share this bottle of wine every year. Like, come on, just have one. You know, it's a mind game. And things change. Like just because mm. tradition has been about me drugging myself, it doesn't mean I want to carry on doing that. Right. So you know you said about people kind of going, Well, I, I didn't think you had a problem. So how did you deal with that? Did you tell them, actually I have got a problem, please yeah. stop going on about it? Did yeah. you avoid them? You told them. Yeah, I told them. I just basically said I, I could see why you would think it wasn't a problem. And then I would just tell them like I was having horrible anxiety and I don't now that I'm not drinking, I don't have that anxiety anymore. And when you tell them those kind of things, the people that really love and care about you are gonna go, Oh my gosh, I didn't because re- I didn't people knew I had anxiety, but not to the level I didn't share it to the level that it was because I'm one of those people. I just didn't want people to worry about me. So when it's someone that loves you and they hear how bad things really were, if you can put it into perspective, you know, I had that and then I would had horrible like IBS type symptoms daily. And when I tell them that I couldn't go on living like that, it's really hard to then argue. There's a lot of people around me that were drinking like I was and it wasn't affecting them the same way. Or at least they weren't saying that it was affecting them the same way. So then that gets in your head too. Oh, is it me? Is there something wrong with me? Like, why can't I just drink like everyone else? It's not wrong with you. We're just all different. Right. And my family have always said to me, maybe you're allergic to alcohol. And it's like, we're all allergic to alcohol. It's a poison. (laughs) And I drink so quickly and I couldn't drink slowly, no matter how hard I would want to. As soon as I had one sip, the glass was gone. As soon as the glass was gone, the next one was poured. Mm -hmm. And then there was no managing the situation right your husband must have known the issue you were having with your anxiety so was he supportive yes he was supportive I think because he's got in his head what an alcoholic is like most people do 
I mean, that's kind of the stigma, right? You'd only quit if you're an alcoholic, if you're hiding alcohol, if you can't go a day without it. So that's his reality and that's fine. And and I don't identify as an alcoholic. I probably would say I would just say I had a drinking problem or alcohol use disorder because I was relying on it for my mental health. I was using it as a drug. I was using it to treat something and it's not made to treat that. But society told me it relaxes you. It makes problems go away. So I think with that is just where we had to come to an understanding. In his mind, I think it is. My wife didn't have a drinking problem. It just caused anxiety. So she chooses not to drink. At the end of the day, that's exactly what it was. And that's okay. That's a good enough reason to not drink. Of course it is. I mean, I don't like the word alcoholic. I certainly have never called myself one. And I just don't want to. It's not how I think of myself. But I do say that I had an unhealthy relationship with alcohol in that I know I drank too quickly. I drank too often. And I was just using it to quieten my mind. I wasn't doing it because I enjoyed the taste of it. So anyone can see that that is a dangerous habit. And also when I was making plans for the evening, they would always involve alcohol. Yeah. Wherever I was going out for dinner or I wouldn't drive because I wanted to be able to have a drink. I think if we're honest about it, alcohol does not benefit many people. Some people might be able to nurse one glass of wine for two hours and they just feel it gives them a tiny bit of a buzz. Then they stop. That's one thing. But most people I know will drink because they like the feeling of being drunk mm-hmm. to varying degrees. Yes, but that's what they like. And we know for a fact that alcohol turns people into the kind of people that they are not when they don't okay. drink. You have fights, you have accidents, you have abuse, you have affairs, you have embarrassment. You know, you have all these things that happened that would not have happened if you didn't drink. So you have to admit alcohol is the cause of these things but people like it so much that they're willing to accept all of that crap in their life all because they love that feeling of getting drunk and to me that's how I see it now and I had to say enough is enough Kate you are strong enough you are big enough for this you don't need it see who you are without it of course you can go out for dinner. Of course you can go to a party. Of course you can do all these different things in life. You don't have to be drugged to do these things. It's society that is telling us it will make it better. But I have experienced it. It doesn't make it better. So I'm going to start listening to myself right. and looking at the facts. And I'm going to make a choice because of that. And once you do that and you stop believing the adverts and, and what society is telling you, which is there's an alcohol for every season. Mm-hmm you start to realize you're in control and you have none of that awful fear and and embarrassment and health problems and all that other stuff and memory loss that come with drinking. It's just, it's a drug and it's incredibly harmful. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that always stands out in my mind, and I can't remember where I heard it. Every time you drink, you are intentionally giving yourself food poisoning. Would you ever intentionally eat like bad chicken or go to a restaurant that you know is known for making people sick. You would never want to do that because you don't want to feel like that. But alcohol is the only thing where we intentionally are giving ourselves food poisoning. That is the reaction you have to alcohol. The headache, the diarrhea, the vomiting, the nausea is exactly what you experience with food poisoning. And that's what you're choosing to do every single time. So having that kind of stuff playing in your head and reminding yourself of that and You've got to make the alcohol unattractive. And there's plenty of things out there. There's plenty of podcasts that will tell you all the negative things it's doing to you, books, all of that. And I think 
that's what I did in the beginning. And that's what really set me up. I know too much now. You have to seek this information out. It's not just there for you to know. I would have known it way earlier if it was just out there. It's not. You have to go after it because big alcohol doesn't want that out there. They don't want you like knowing all of that. Alcohol yeah. causes cancer. Didn't know that. How do we not know that? Didn't know that. Huge thing. There's all these people running for breast cancer charities and having a glass of Prosecco at the end. It's like you don't understand how wrong that is, Mm -hmm. you know, and and people just don't know. It's not that they're being naive. There's just no knowledge. They're not being told. And, And you're right about the food poisoning aspect of it. The problem is, and we've also got to be really honest about this, Steph, because we hate alcohol. And we're happy without it. But we cannot pretend that there wasn't something we liked about drinking. Right. And I think that's a problem that some people have with sober people. It's like you go on and you go on about how much better life is. It almost sounds like you're trying to convince yourself. I'm sorry, but there must have been. And it's like, hey, I'm not trying to convince myself. I'm just want to tell people because it's such a shock. But B, yes, you're right. I did enjoy that feeling. I enjoyed that feeling after two glasses of wine and I enjoyed the anticipation of going out but all together it's probably about an hour that I enjoyed but the downside of it is so huge and overwhelming it affects my entire life all my relationships my work my abilities as a mother it's the most unbalanced decision that I made over and over again in my life and it is is literally for one hour you know I probably took away if you consider all the sleep you didn't get, all the anxiety in the morning, the feelings of, of feeling crap, the arguments, the stuff that went on for weeks that you caused problems and you had to keep apologizing for that every time you went out and saw people, they'll go, you're the one that did that. It's not worth it. But yet we still went back again and again and again for that short buzz. And I don't have an answer for that because I'm a very logical person. Mm-hmm. And that logic was always there for me. Mm-hmm. It was always there. I could see what I was getting out of it and I could see the damage it was doing. And I still went back. And, and I don't know if that's to do with the fact that alcohol really is addictive. And part of me was just going, I really fancy it. Or I was still going, even though it's awful, I'll still do it for that one hour of, of feeling good. But all I can say is I don't miss that hour. I have found so many different ways of achieving that sort of amazing feeling that I don't even miss the hour that was the best hour anymore. I really don't. I agree. And we, you talked about like your relationships and your family and everything. I wanted to bring this up, the family dynamics at Christmas time. You know, we've all got family members that maybe were the reason we had to drink, right? Like we felt like I got a drink to be around this person. And um, I have a few family members like that. I've noticed is since being sober, believe it or not. And I, I, I challenge anyone who uses this excuse to drink. I challenge you to be sober around these people that irritate you because here's the thing. Like you said, maybe 20 minutes to an hour, it helps. But guess what happens after that? You're irritable. So now the annoyance is like turned up, like someone just cranked the volume. And I have certain people in my family that really gnaw at me. I just remember when I got sober thinking, how in the hell am I going to do this? And I can tell you, it is so much better. I don't have that irritability. Do they still bother me? Of course they do. Of course they do. It's family. But I don't have that added layer 
of just irritability. I don't know how else to explain it, but saying that word of irritability, I'm a little bit softer. I'm a little bit more empathetic. I can think more clearly about Mm -hmm. my responses to them or how I'm going to react or I'm one, you can always see it all over my face. And I'm sure when I was drinking, I probably was giving them some really like, yeah, like annoyed looks, but I will say it has made that so much more pleasant. And I just, like you said too, you just get to a point, you go to bed early. When I drink, I would, I want to stay up longer because I want to keep drinking because I'm chasing the feeling. One more bottle, one more bottle of wine. And you think you're going to get back to where you were five hours ago and it's never going to come back and you stay up too late. So I challenge anyone who's thinking about getting sober or is worried about being sober around the holidays, see it as an experiment, if anything. Like if that's the only reason you stay sober for one event that someone is going to be there that irritates you, just do it and just see how you feel. And for the people who try and convince you to drink, even when you've told them that drinking is not working for you, think about why they would do that. Because Any of my friends who said to me something wasn't working for them and they'd stopped, I would never say to them, oh, go on then, just do it. Mm-hmm. It has to be for a very, very selfish reason that people are doing that. Yeah, And that is a real indicator of a real friend. I'm sorry. And that's hard to hear, but it really is because a true friend knowing that alcohol was making you feel crap would not try and convince you to have a drink. You cannot deny it. Like you're saying about this, there are just some things that are just so black and white when they're placed in front of you. Mm -hmm. And you can say, you know, why would you want that for me? It's because it makes me feel comfortable. So you're saying you feeling comfortable drinking is more important than me being really unhappy because I've told you what I've achieved and I've told you what it is. It doesn't tally up. That is an unequal friendship. It really is. Right. And one that I think needs to be looked at because there isn't a single person who has tried to convince me to have a drink that I'm still friends with. It's not that I won't say hello to them, but I don't hang around with them anymore because they always only wanted me as the performing circus act because I would make them look better or they knew I'd always buy the rounds. They couldn't really care less. They weren't real friends. And they they miss me being there because it benefited them. And it is that simple. Don't yeah. feel bad about it. So okay. what are the strategies then? Because we've got to wrap this up soon. Strategies for dealing with parties. What do you think? Let's come up with some ideas. I think you need to have a really good answer planned out for when people say, why aren't you drinking? Yeah. Or why are you sober? Or why did you quit drinking? So don't go to a party without already having a statement that you've rehearsed in your mind, like ready to go. My favorite one, but this one only works for people who didn't know you before. But my favorite one, say you're at a party and you meet someone new, like I did this, my daughter used to do cheer. And so I didn't know these moms and they all would drink. It was so profound and I couldn't wait to use it. They were getting ready to go do shots in the bathroom at a competition because, you know, got to calm the nerves. And the one mom's like, oh, we're going to go do shots. You want to come? And I go, I don't drink. And when you say that, there's something about it. Because she just looked at me and she goes, okay. But if I would have said, oh, I don't drink anymore or I quit drinking, that opens the door for, well, why? What happened? Did you have a problem? And we don't want to go there, especially with people we don't know. It's none of your business. So be confident in that. But then also have a really confident answer for the people that you love that you feel like may give you a hard time. You know, like we just talked about. Tell them the negative effects it was having on you. And if they truly love you, they'll back off. 
And most people will. I mean, that's a good one. And I think you do need to go prepared because if you're on the spot, it's, it's tricky. But I would say have an exit plan. I often refer to it as an escape plan yep. because I need to know I can leave when I want to leave. And that makes it more enjoyable for me. Whereas if I were to go to a place like, for example, we go every year to this party, which is an hour away by taxi. And I don't like driving on really dark lanes at night. So I don't want to drive that regardless of whether I'm drinking or not so we get a taxi Mm -hmm. but I don't really like it because there's normally four of us will share a taxi and it's an hour home none of them are going to want to leave until midnight yeah everyone's drinking and I I really don't enjoy it because I get trapped in this place and that literally that one event which is a lovely event until it gets to about 10 30 at night stands out as the one time because it's the only time I can think of where I can't leave when I want to leave and I will say at the beginning of the night I am leaving at this time to my husband. If you want to stay later, that's fine. You'll need to order a taxi or walk to anyone else. I'll give you a lift, but I'm leaving when I say I'm leaving. And when I was drunk, I would always go, oh, just wait, just another hour. I'd cancel taxis, rebook taxis. I'm not doing that for other people. I say I'm leaving and do they want to come? If not, I'm leaving. And I make that really clear because... I think, as I mentioned before, staying for a couple of hours is a really nice experience. People aren't drunk by then. You get to put on some nice clothes. You get to go and catch up with people. You have the holiday vibes, all that stuff. And then you get to go home. Yeah. And that's enough. And, and I promise you, you're not missing anything once everyone gets drunk. Right. You're missing out on the most annoying part. And then the part that's going to make you not want to go next time. Because all you're going to focus yeah. on is that negative yeah. experience at the end. So, and yeah. people don't like you being there sober when they're drunk. Because no. it makes it makes them and they feel like you're kind of secretly filming them or taking notes so actually <laughs> or making fun of them they could get yeah. confrontational you know yeah. they could get really confrontational i always think too like to have like a code word with like yeah. whoever you went with like your husband or maybe you're with like a friend or something have like a code word if things start getting yeah. a little like but they're normally drinking so that won't yeah. work with me they'll go what do you mean oh is that our code word oh she wants to go home and it would just be, it would backfire. Yeah. My yeah. code word is the sound of the door shutting. My code word is bye. <laughs> yeah. Latest. What are some other things that you should bear in mind during? I, I think it's good to have like a sober friend on standby, like yeah. someone that you can text, like say things just get a little overwhelming and you excuse yourself and go outside or go to the restroom. And then you can just recenter. I had this happen early on in sobriety. There was a woman that I met on sober Instagram and I was getting ready to go out for my birthday and I was DMing her and she's like, I have, I have nothing going on. So if you need to reach out to me during the birthday party, like if you're feeling overwhelmed and you need someone to like recenter you in your purpose of being sober, then message me. Luckily, I didn't have to use it, but it was yeah. obviously like really nice to know that I had someone who was going to have my back because when you're in a room full of people who drink, you don't feel like you belong. And we've talked about community before. It's what keeps us sober. So if you can have someone that can kind of reassure you that, yeah, Yeah. it's okay. It's a great idea. Yeah. I had that as well. And I did use it. When I started my sober journey, I joined a a 100 day challenge when you're put in these groups and some people are years sober, some people have just started and I had them. And I knew that when I messaged, there was always someone online. And Mm -hmm. and it was great because I would go into the toilet and go, I'm really struggling. Someone is getting really on my nerves. And they'd be like, don't worry, Kate, this is great. You know, you're doing... 
and and it was it was like having support in your pocket and and you're right that is such a big deal and finding someone and just saying look I'm really nervous about this Saturday are you around would you mind just being on call in case I need to have a bit of encouragement it's a great idea and and failing that if you don't have any friends that are sober and you haven't made those connections yet just get onto Instagram and put a post up and just say help I'm at a party and I'm really struggling I bet you within five minutes you'll have people responding to you you really will won't you you can kind of go back in and check it and and failing failing all of that go back to your safe space, get away, get home somehow, shut the door, put your pajamas on and just congratulate yourself for getting through it. Or don't go and congratulate yourself for being strong enough for not going. I just think as long as you put yourself first and you prepare yourself and you get drinks that you like and you do all the things that we've just said, I think the season becomes a totally different thing and it's still my favorite time of year. Yeah, it's a great time. And I just feel, I mean, all around in my life, I just feel so much better. But then that time of year to really enjoy it, almost like when I was a kid, it almost brings that back. That's another little tip. Hang out with the kids. If you're at a gathering, like, if you don't want to sit around and listen to, like, your relatives tell the same stories they tell every year because they're drunk and they don't remember that they've already told it, go hang out with the kids. The kids love when an adult will come and, like, help them put their toys together and use your imagination and just be a kid. Because, I mean, God, that's really what it's about. Just getting back to, like, that childlike wonder and... Just enjoy it. And the older people. I, I often hang around with the oldest people at the party. Yeah. They make one glass of wine. They don't even finish it by the end uh-huh. of the night. The last house party I went to, I got a cup of tea and I went and sat with the host's parents. And I sat in the quiet corner that they were sitting in and I chatted to them all night. Until Sounds amazing. And I was like, that was a really good party. And, and my friend was kind of like, what did you do? And I was like, well, I just chatted to your parents all night. Yeah. Like, oh thank you I'm like no it was great it wasn't me being nice it really right. was genuinely they weren't drunk they were funny interesting and and I could see what was going on I made my appearance and I only went for her and you know you find out a lot about yourself don't you and and yeah. life is enjoyable you don't have to be on drugs to enjoy life and if you think you do then you really need to start doing some different things in life Yes. You need to start hanging around with different people. You need to start doing different things. And you just need to embrace what is out there because you shouldn't have to be drunk in order for something to be fun. So mm-hmm. I just think once you get your head around that, the Christmas season, you know, the whole of autumn and winter and New Year can just be absolutely brilliant. And you don't come away with any horrible, embarrassing situations that you've got to face up to when you go back no. to work. It's just all nice. It is. And I promise. You will never look back on it and say, even if you were to go back to drinking someday, but you will never reflect on that and say, damn, I wish I would have drank. It would have been more fun because you just never, I've never done that. I have looked back a million times and said, I wish I wouldn't have drank. Yep. (laughs) It would have been more fun or I wouldn't feel like shit right now, but you will never regret not having that first drink because that first drink is what does you in. So just remember that. Stay away from that one first drink and you'll be Mm -hmm. okay. Well, I think that's a wrap, Steph. We've chatted on for long enough. So we'll Mm -hmm. speak again soon, but have a good one. Wrap up warm and I will see you soon. Cheers, Steph. Bye, Kate. 
Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, we're just two women from opposite sides of the pond wanting to bring awareness around the negative effects of alcohol. We are not licensed therapists or doctors. If alcohol is causing any mental or physical health issues, please seek professional help. Please be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss future episodes. If you think our podcast could help someone you know, please be sure to share it. Also, leaving a five-star review will help The Sober Effect reach more people like you. The music for this show was produced and recorded by Pearl and Thumbelina Jim of the wonderful Charm Jar Music. More information can be found in our show notes. 